Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. This week on the podcast, we have something special and a little different for you. We know from research that reading aloud is one of the best ways to turn kids into lifelong readers. Over the past 40-plus episodes, we've asked a lot of talented authors to read aloud from their work. Today, we've stitched our picture book read-alouds together into one short episode that'll be perfect for your 3- to 8-year-old. First, storyteller extraordinaire Carmen Agraditi reads from her latest picture book, The Rooster Who Would Not Be Quiet. Once there was a village where the streets rang with song from morning till night. Dogs bayed, mothers crooned, engines hummed, fountains warbled, and everybody sang in the shower. Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. Everyone and everything had a song to sing. This made the village of La Paz a very noisy place. It was hard to hear. It was hard to sleep. It was hard to think. And no one knew what to do. So they fired the mayor. Now they were a very noisy village without a mayor. So they held an election. Only Don Pepe promised peace and quiet. He won by a landslide. The very next day, a very polite law appeared in the village square. No loud singing in public, por favor. Things were getting better already. But more laws soon followed. Mm-mm-mm. No loud singing at home. Um, no loud singing. Okay. No singing. Ay, 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 basta, quiet already. Until finally, the noisy village of La Paz was silent as a tomb. Even the tea kettles were afraid to whistle. Some people left the village singing loudly. Others stayed behind and learned to hum. The rest were just grateful to have a good night's sleep for crying out loud. Seven very quiet years passed. Then one evening, a saucy gallito and his family wandered into the village and roosted in a fragrant mango tree. When the little rooster awoke the next morning, he did what roosters were born to do. He sang, Kikiriki! And that's how the trouble started. That was Carmen Agraditi reading from The Rooster Who Would Not Be Quiet. Now we'll hear from author and illustrator Peter H. Reynolds. He'll read a section from his gorgeous and inspiring new picture book, Happy Dreamer. I am a happy dreamer. I'm really good at dreaming. Daydreams, big dreams, little dreams, creative dreams. Dreamer Maximus. Sometimes the world tells me, sit still, be quiet, pay attention, focus. But my dreams, they have a mind of their own. Sometimes my mind just takes flight. I hear a beat and I got to move and then I hear another and another. I wish you could hear inside my head, trumpety, zigzag jazz. 
trumpety zigzag jazz. I just love that line. Next up is another dreamer, author, illustrator, and comic genius Kate Beaton. She'll share the beginning of her hilarious book, The Princess and the Pony. In a kingdom of warriors, the smallest warrior was Princess Pinecone, and she was very excited for her birthday. Most warriors get fantastic birthday presents. Shields, amulets, helmets with horns on them, things to win battles with, things that make them feel like champions. Princess Pinecone got a lot of cozy sweaters. Warriors do not need cozy sweaters. This year, it would be different. Pinecone made sure to let everyone know exactly what she wanted. A big horse, a fast horse, a strong horse, a real warrior's horse. And they tried their best but they didn't get it quite right. If you haven't shared The Princess and the Pony with your little ones yet, I can't recommend it enough. The Little Fat Pony is adorable and hysterical. Now, let's listen to Scholastic editor and acclaimed author Andrea Davis Pinckney as she shares from A Poem for Peter. Brown sugar boy in a blanket of white Bright as the day you came onto the page from the hand of a man who saw you for you. Long before you arrived, little brown sugar child, he was born, came to this world in the middle of March, that time between a lion and a lamb. Yes, yes, he was born with a roar that would someday celebrate the making of a brown sugar boy on a snowy day. You and he, different but the same in so many ways. This wriggly baby was the youngest of three. First came Sister May, a feisty girl. Then Brother Willie, a quiet dreamer. Then came he, Jacob, Jack, Ezra, Katz, born under hardship's hand into a land filled with impossible odds. But when it snowed, oh, when it snowed, nature's glittery hand painted the world's walls a brighter shade. Snow made opportunity and equality seem right around the corner. Because, you see, snow is nature's we-all blanket. When snow spreads her sheet, we all glisten. When snow paints the streets, we all see her beauty. Snow doesn't know who's needy or dirty or greedy or nice. Snow doesn't choose where to fall. Snow doesn't pick a wealthy man's doorstep over a poor lady's stoop. That's Snow's magic. As a third grader at PS 182, Ezra earned 25 cents for painting store signs. His hand so steady, ready to show what he could do with a brush dipped in gold, spelling, spiraling, inviting shoppers to buy. Pig's feet and sauerkraut, 25 cents. Pancakes and sausages, 15 cents. Yes, Ezra wanted to be a true artist. True as in the real thing. True as in letting imagination fly. True as in someone who does more than paint sauerkraut signs. And soon Ezra let his imagination grow. And he drew, oh, how he drew, on paper bags and wood scraps and box tops and pillowcases and open palms and foot soles. This led him closer to you. 
And then, when Ezra was grown, an invitation came to write and illustrate his own story. And then, oh then, you, you popped up, you, Ezra's true jubilation. You had been waiting to be born, and yet you were there all along. Brown sugar boy in a blanket of white, bright as the day you came onto the page from the hand of this man whose life and times and hardships and heritage and heroes and heart and soul led him to you. Yes, you, little boy, were now in full view. Peter, no longer a glint in Ezra's eye. Peter, a curious child on a path to discovery. Like a snowflake you fell, right into our hearts. You arrived, a little snowy day surprise. Like a crystal flake, you fell from the clouds. You fluttered down with your own one-of-a-kind cutie beauty. Yes, you, Peter Child, bubbled up in this man, now free to discover the truth of your colors, the here I am red, the look at me yellow, the proud to be brown. Peter and Ezra, you made a great team. Together you brought a snowstorm of dreams, a blizzard of imagination, flurries of fun. Ezra Jack Keats gave us all a place, a face, a voice. Ezra Jack Keats gave us eyes to see. Let us celebrate the making of what it means to be. He dared to open a door. He awakened a wonderland. He brought a world of white suddenly alive with color. Brown sugar child, when you and your hue burst onto the scene, all of us came out to play. Together, flapping our wings, rejoicing in a we-all blanket. Thanks to Ezra Jack Keats, we all can be as bright as snow's everlasting wonder. Now, we'll move from Andrea's lyrical picture book to an author who got her start actually writing lyrics rather than books. Julia Donaldson is up next, reading from her forthcoming picture book, Zog and the Flying Doctors. Julia, as you may know, is the former children's laureate in the UK. Meet the Flying Doctors, a dragon, knight, and girl. Their names are Gadabout the Great and Zog and Princess Pearl. Pearl gives people medicine and pills and vaccinations, and Gadabout is expert at performing operations. Zog is good at flying, though not quite so good at landing, but Gadabout and Princess Pearl are always understanding. Flying high one morning, they heard a mermaid wail. I'm sunburnt and it hurts, she cried and swished her scaly tail. Bang, crash, thump, they landed. The mermaid's skin was red. Pearl rubbed in some special cream. And wear this hat, she said. Thank you, said the mermaid. And she waved a fond goodbye as the team of flying doctors sped away into the sky. Let me put in a little plug here for our upcoming episode with Julia. She's magnificently talented and she sings. Keep an ear out for our conversation with her later this fall. We hope you've enjoyed these short read-alouds. For more information about the books that we featured in this episode, check the show notes or visit scholasticreads.com. The Rooster Who Would Not Be Quiet by Carmen Agrediti 
was actually named to the top 50 books to read this summer by our very own Scholastic Teacher magazine. Here to talk with us and to explain how the list was created is Tara Welty, editor of Scholastic Teacher. Hi, Tara. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Suzanne. So nice to be here. It's lovely to have you. Why don't we start by you telling our listeners what you do at Scholastic? So I am the editor-in-chief of Scholastic Teacher Magazine, and I am also the head of the Teaching Resources Division, which publishes books and resources for teachers. Great. We invited you on because you have a special annual summer book list. So we want to know, how does your team curate the annual summer book list? So it starts in January, and we ask all the publishers to send us their favorite new releases that are coming out. So we get boxes and boxes and boxes of books to our office. It's kind of a book lover's dream. It's like a a fantasy that I had when I was a kid. Like, what if all the books came to my house and I had all the books? But when you get all the books, it's a little overwhelming. About (laughs) how many books would you say come in? Oh, several hundred, probably about 500 books. And we want books that are published starting in about May through June, maybe a, you know, late spring, early summer. So we want the books to be available to read during the summer. So that's a lot. Then we also go out to teachers that we know, librarians that we know, authors that we love, and we say, what books have you read that are coming in this summer? So we start to compile this list. And then we organize all the books into piles, into categories, Picture books, fantasy adventure, realistic fiction. So we start to winnow them down that way, and we get to about our top 200 books. And then we have to start reading them. So (laughs) our editors read and read and read, and we start talking about what we've been reading and who loves what, and we have these meetings where we literally fight for our books, fight for our selections, and... um, it gets, it gets a little heated, I have to admit. <laughs> well, that's great. But, you know, we are passionate readers in the teacher magazine group. And then we finally, once we um, get down to our selections, we look at it with a hard eye towards getting a lot of diversity into our reading list. So we strive to get a right balance of age groups, gender, and definitely cultural diversity in there. That's fantastic. And who came up with this idea? What inspired you to do this in the first place? Well, uh, everything that we do in Teacher Magazine goes back to teachers. And we know that when a teacher puts the right book in the hand of a kid and the kid makes that connection with a book, it's so magical. But teachers are not there over the summer to be doing that for kids. And so we want to send teachers off with a list of great recommendations that they can have so that when parents get have their kids for the summer that they're not feeling so daunted because they have a list that they can go to. And they're all new books, they're all exciting books, and there's a lot of different choices that kids can pick from. Oh my gosh. I love this. It's, it's really great. Okay, now, why is it important for kids to choose the books that they want to read? There are so many reasons. We know that the number one way to pre- help prevent the summer learning loss is for kids to read. And even just reading four books over the summer can make a big impact on student achievement. Of course, we want kids reading a lot more than just four books. And when kids read for pleasure, they want to make their own choices about what they read. Uh, In 2016, Scholastic did a survey called the Kids and Family Reading Report. It was a survey of more than 1,000 kids and their parents. And 88% of kids said that they're more likely to finish a book that they chose themselves. But... 
That said, 41% of those kids said that they have trouble picking the right book. So even though they want choice, they need a little bit of help in narrowing down the selection. And that's where lists like the teacher magazine list come into play. Have you heard back from any kids about the list or teachers on what they think about it? Teachers love the list. And, you know, the there are so many books that are coming out. You would be amazed at how many books get published every year, and it can be overwhelming. So to have somebody else weighing in, especially uh, our editors and the, the teachers and librarians who weigh in, it's really, really helpful. And where can teachers find more book recommendations from Scholastic Teacher? Uh, the best place to go is on our website, scholastic.com forward slash teacher mag. You can find the 50 books there. And you can also, every month when the new magazine comes out, we have 10 new books that we choose every month. What are some of your favorite titles on the list right now? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> it's so hard. Um, I loved See You in the Cosmos, Carl Sagan by Jack Chang. It's about a lonely, space-obsessed boy who has a dog named Carl Sagan. It's so unique and poignant and funny. The Book of Mistakes by Corinna Loiken, which I probably made a mistake when I said her name, but um, the book is all about how when you make a mistake, uh, you can keep changing. She makes a drawing, and then the drawing has a mistake in it, and she changes the drawing into something else, and then that has a mistake, and she changes that into something else. So it's a great book for teaching growth mindset and that when we make a mistake, we can just move on and correct them and make something even more beautiful. All right. So who can we credit with this list? (laughs) So the whole teacher magazine helped, but the MVPs were Chris Boris, Pari Deshpande Cohen, and Cameron Gillespie, who read probably 200 books between the three of them. We also had help from teachers and librarians across the country, including Colby Sharp. He's a third grade teacher from Michigan. Many of your listeners may know him from the Nerdy Book Club. We love Colby. And then we also got some special recommendations from Dan Gemeinhard, author of Scar Island and Some Kind of Courage. He was on our list last year, and he jumped in this year. And the interesting thing about Dan is that he's a former librarian. So he had the perspective of both the author and the librarian. So that was so amazing for us. What a stellar list. That's amazing. Thank you so much for being with us, Tara. Thank you, Suzanne. It was a pleasure. Is there a topic you'd like us to discuss? We'd love to hear from you. Send a note to scholasticreads at scholastic.com. To help other book lovers find us, please review and subscribe to Scholastic Reads on your favorite podcast app. Special thanks to producer Emily Morrow, sound engineers Daniel Jordan and Chris Johnson, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads with you next time. <laughs>